2: Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains-like clues. We're seeing this in the viral Sleepy Girl Mocktail trend on social media
1: so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to to the the Game game of of Roses. roses.
2: This This is is the the Game game of Roses. roses. Welcome to to the the Game game of Roses. roses.
1: You guys make the decision, if people go on reality TV for followers or building the business, so I'll give you the business insight, scoop. If you have over 500,000 followers, and you have good management, slightly entrepreneurial, you should easily, easily, easily be making well over 250K a year off that social. Easily. And if you're not, you need new management.
2: Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case.
1: This is Bachelor Clues, and we hope for the last two Fridays in a row, you have enjoyed the in-depth interviews that we did with Charlene Joint, her husband. Andy Levine, the hosts of Dear Shandy, and also the in depth conversation we had with pilot Peter Wepper, aka Popeye, and Dustin Kendrick, aka D Man 43, <laughs> the two hosts of Bachelors <laughs> in the City. And we hope that you go listen to their podcast as well, because uh, we can't thank them enough for coming on and talking to us.
2: Yeah, truly enjoyable. Both interviews.
1: But today, We are thrilled to be back in the chairs once again to deliver this week in Bachelor Nation, because this week was a doozy. And we're going to cover some news that we missed over the the course of the past two weeks as well. But obviously, a lot has been happening within the nation. And you guys know what this week in Bachelor Nation entails. We're going to give you screams from the pit. We're going to give you parasocial plays of the week. We're going to give you all that Bachelor Nation news. We're going to give you them gains. And we usually start out every this week in Bachelor Nation with a state of the world. But this week, the world doesn't matter. The only thing that matters (laughs) is the game. So we are proud to present Game Game of of Roses. State of the game.
2: Get your scallop fingers on <laughs> for the state of the game. <laughs> Get your scallops.
1: So, this week, we obviously saw what I would argue are the two most important episodes of Bachelor in Paradise that have ever aired in terms of their effect on the game from a wide array. Of different audiences. The only audience that wasn't affected or even present in these two episodes was the first audience. Obviously, there is no first audience. Unless you want to argue, it's Becca Kufrin. She is the sole representative of the first audience. The first
2: audience. (laughs) Yeah. The Bachelor podcast hosts are the first audience.
1: (laughs) It it really is like the show is built around them, the more we're we're getting to watch it. But We just wanted to take this state of the game as an opportunity to discuss what happened. What is the role of social media in our beloved game? How open has our beloved game been about it in the past? And where is it headed in the future? What does everything that we just watched happen in these past two episodes really mean about where our game is going and how it's going to affect incoming players? So it's obvious That Brendan Marias, Piper James, Chris Conner, and Alana Milne received a hardcore rebuke from the third audience against players coming into the game with prearranged strategies and certainly against people openly discussing Instagram. And there's a lot of hypocrisy in this going on. There are other players levying accusations against them for not being for the right reasons, all this shit. It's like everybody there is there for Instagram followers, but it's the open discussion of it that the producers cannot and will not allow because it goes too much against the conveyed lie of 4TRR, which we all know is a lie. At least we do. People listening to this and you and I, pay's Case, we know <laughs> that that's a lie. Yes, some people can find love, but they are not there. No one is there 100% 4TRR because they all have Instagram accounts and they all want those numbers as high as they can get them. The business of being a player in this game is ever fucking present. And the producers here are saying, yeah, but you can't talk about it. Similar to Thomas openly saying that he wanted to be The Bachelor. Everybody thinks that, you just can't (laughs) say
0: it.
2: And, you know, that's kind of why we wanted to bring in this Jason clip at the beginning. Because the numbers are a job. As he's saying, you can make 100k a year if you have 100k followers. So what that means is that when we're seeing these historic gains and these historic losses, which are essentially the fourth audience responding to the document presented by the third audience, we are the fourth audience messing with these people's livelihoods in this way.
1: And that's where the game of it comes in, the secondary game of going into the parasocial world. After you do whatever play you do within the game, you're now seeing how it can affect the parasocial world as well. Brandon Marias was beloved when he came off of his season of Bachelorette. He has now turned into a villain to such a degree. He committed the kind of cardinal error. It's not just that you're, oh, trying to sponsor your tequila brand or whatever the thing may be. You openly talked Mm -hmm. about Instagram and came in with the plan. And you even said, I'm incriminating myself. He said that on camera. (laughs) So he did make drastic (laughs) errors for sure. And even how he treated Natasha, as it's presented to us, looks very bad and all of these things. But the judgment that is cast on him by the fourth audience, we have never seen anything like this. He hemorrhaged 60,000 Instagram followers in like two or three days. And that does affect his income. I don't know how it works. 67K. 67K. In a manner out of, of 300k club, and so if he booked social media engagements with different sponsors when he was over 300k, and now two days later he's under it, does that affect how much money he's making? Do these sponsors pull their ads with him? Is he now poison to sponsors? Will they not deal with him at all because of all this controversy? I don't know the answers to any of this because this is the first time we've seen something like this, even when Hannah Brown. Yeah said the n-word on her Instagram live, I don't think she experienced something this drastic in terms of an immediate overwhelming overnight, like you lose a massive percentage of your followers.
2: We've never seen anything remotely close to this. We've had players, tons of players getting quote unquote canceled left and right for various things. No one has been close to this loss. It is truly a historic moment that we are witnessing. And at the same time, we also saw a tremendous gain by Natasha Parker. We will get into the details of this, but she gained 300K. Astounding. 300K in the last, mostly in the last few days.
1: So we're now in this point of the game where the volatility of your follower count is I have to imagine if you're in the game at all, ever present. You see this happen and you're like, fuck. If I'm a player in any successive season and I'm on Bachelor or Bachelorette, I know going into Paradise, either of these outcomes might be possible. I do think the gain is -hmm. probably not possible unless you're a made man, unless you're part of the Bachelor world officially. You're on a Bachelor podcast, Bachelor Nation podcast, like Kufrin, Grocery Store Joe, and Natasha Parker. I think that helps. I have to believe that because those people are insulated. They will never get a bad edit. Even grocery store Joe, who I would argue was kind of the ringleader of the bully circle against Chris Connor and Alana Mill, <laughs> he was still made to be like a hero for doing that in the edit. They presented him as like he's the one who's gonna get to the truth. Not like Yeah, a bully.
2: he's he's still getting tremendous games.
1: But ultimately, this idea that Social media, openly talking about it in show, is a cardinal sin. You cannot do it. Where does that idea come from? Has it always been in the game? The answer is I don't know exactly where it comes from because it hasn't always been in the game. Really, people started getting huge Instagram gains around Bachelorette Season 10. Andy Dorfman, we think, might have been the first person to hit a million Instagram followers. It might have been Caitlin Bristow a few seasons later. It was one of those two, but it was right around that time. Or Sean Lowe. Or Sean Lowe, maybe. I, I think it was probably Dorfman or Bristow, but we don't know. We can never know this. Or maybe we can, but we don't have the ability to now. Maybe in the future <laughs> some technology will exist that allows us to know this. It doesn't yet. But in that era, people didn't understand like the money that was going to come from it. 500,000 Instagram followers, as Tardic said, up top here, getting you $250,000 a year in spotcon That wasn't a thing then. All of this was still kind of novel. And once people started getting into the influencer zone, which really kind of coincided with Paradise starting, once you got to like Paradise season three and you had an Aya Kineti in there, just tearing shit up, getting her million Instagram followers off sand. And then every season after that, you're, you were having other people get a million on sand. All of those people are now influencers making a fuckload of money off of it. And so the the business of going into The Bachelor to become an influencer really, I think, started in Paradise, when all these players were given a second opportunity to come back on screen, get more followers using different narratives. And so now we're seeing Paradise is where it not only can make you an influencer, it can destroy your career as an influencer.
2: Juan Pablo's season is the first one going into Paradise. And like our interview with Charlene Joy said, she said that Andy Dorfman did one of the first spawn cons that it was for a, a curling wand. She got a lot of hate for it. <laughs> Can you imagine if there was an uproar over every ad that any of these players did?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously that has changed. But the idea of how much social media can be incorporated into the show, into the game, I think since around that time has always been something they've had to deal with. Because you get into like a season 13 with Lee Garrett, where many problematic tweets that he issued start to surface within the fourth audience. This is outside of the game. But by the time the Mentel All rolls around, not only is the show forced to address these tweets because they've built a racism storyline around Lee Garrett that culminates with him and Kenny King hugging it out on that Mentel All, they show these tweets. They put them on a fucking screen in that Mental All and made him answer for them. So they will use your social media to reprimand you. There was also, uh-huh. in season 23, the season opener, they had a... Uh, an instagram post that they put out the show and dark lord harrison says in that opening episode if this post gets ten thousand likes we'll do it we'll release this special video of me basically in the live airing of season 23's opener and they did do that so they incorporated i thought it
2: was a blooper reel
1: oh maybe it was a blooper reel I, Uh i thought it was that special thing that was like a retrospective of his whole career
2: oh the tribute to him yeah
1: I think that's what it was. It might have been a blooper reel. Whatever it was, it was like a bonus content unlock if this Instagram post gets 10,000 likes. this
2: amount of likes, yeah.
1: So the show itself is Very
2: poor TWR of him. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> but they didn't really ever do that again. And you start to see in Bachelor in Paradise players calling each other by their Instagram handles. So there is some at least implicit acknowledgement that Instagram exists and has some fucking control over all of this.
2: There's hints of it throughout. Lace on Ben Higgins' season talks about stalking him on social media, but again, she was given a villain edit as well.
1: And then you get to Bachelorette 16, where Claire Crawley falls in love with Dale Moss parasocially, supposedly, completely over just looking at his Instagram, and it destroys the whole show. And that's the first time we really see like, oh, social media cripples this format. It has the ability to completely override everything you're doing because... The true power of The Bachelor, of the format, the game, is that they sequester people away from all social media, away from any contact with the outside world, so that they can emotionally torment them into these heightened states of uh, emotion and feeling that will produce high, high levels of love, fear, anxiety, all emotions, so that they can wreck people or put them together or whatever they want to do. Another piece of it was Elia Benavidez on season 24. She got eliminated. She came back into the show after having looked at social media and had information about other players that she was then able to use to her advantage or to her disadvantage because she got turned into a villain, even though the producers told her to come in and use it. And that's definitely another part of all of this is that the producers are only showing you what they want to show you. They very easily could have cut Brandon Marias and Piper James to look any way they wanted, but they put all of that Mm -hmm. footage in. And I'm not saying they didn't say it. Some of it they didn't say. Some of what Piper said she did not say. Some was frank and bit. That's a part of this too, that the producers do have absolute (laughs) control over how they want to present you. And so if you wrong them or wrong what they believe to be this unassailable property of the game, they will punish you. And in my mind, these two episodes, more than anything, were a strong, strong punishment coming from the producers. And it's a warning to any other players coming into the game Mm -hmm. who want to try to do something like this, that this is what will happen to you. We will fucking destroy you.
2: The Instagram gains are not slowing down. The benefit of getting a good edit is not slowing down. Your good screen time equates with followers. We're seeing grocery store Joe still getting some of the highest gains. So people are not going to not be focused on Instagram they're going to be focused on it more than ever, especially because that's the positive that you get out of going through this. But is it going to bolster play style? Are we going to get even more professional players who are much more savvy and aren't going to use any of these sentences that can be used against them? I I just find it hard to believe that that conversation between Piper and Brendan is the only one that's about Instagram of any of those people on the beach. This is their job. Of course. Most of them.
1: Of course. They've all talked about Instagram followers. Of fucking course. And I agree with you. I think the, what this will ultimately yield is players at a level we've never even seen before. Players that will be able to manipulate producers inside and out. Because what this does, in my mind, these past two episodes is show any potential player like, oh, I get it. The 4TRR lie has to be absolute. You watch what like Riley Christian is doing. I don't even think it's a lie in his case, by the way. But what Riley Christian is doing, you watch what Mm -hmm. Grocery Store Joe is doing. These are just like, fuck this. I'm here for the right reasons, and that's all anyone should be here for. It's like, okay, I can do that. I think this season will go down as after this. You're never going to see shit like that again. And if you do, it's going to be a straight sinister motherfucker who comes in and all their ITMs are going to be like, I'm just here playing a game. And then when they're out in the (laughs) player pool, they're going to be like, oh my God, can I be your STCO?" I think you'll see somebody like that maybe come in. Like the villains are going to be real villainous. Mm -hmm. But I don't think many people will try to take that route because of the detrimental effect. You're watching what happened to Brennan Morice. It's like, fuck, his career may be over as an influencer.
2: Brendan and Piper tried to lean into the villain edit with their last Instagram posts. And obviously they did it before the episode came out, before they knew what the fourth audience reaction was going to be. And we are, I mean, I've been noticing this since Matt James's season. We're not seeing the Instagram gains for villains that we once saw. We're not seeing Corinne Olympio's numbers for villains at this point.
1: She was a different kind of villain though. She was never for TWR. She did some shit to fuck with the process. She slept through a rose ceremony, and she was definitely a princess archetype and all these kinds of things, and she played a very strong chemistry game right in the face of the other players. That's all admissible, and that can make you a villain, certainly. But she was never fucking talking about Instagram or her pre-planned strategies.
2: I don't know if we saw Corinne Olympios play today that she would get the same gains. I think it is fundamentally like a different way people are looking at the show victoria larson is at 71k right she got so much screen time yeah that's true. i mean she had a much worse first audience game and corinne went to hometowns so that factors in but still it used to be a pretty good way to get followers
1: yeah and now it's you got to be top four you got to be four trr and that's just kind of the end of it but One of the most interesting things that's come out of this, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later in Parasocial Plays, is the fact that the fourth audience really now is flexing its muscle in a way that it has not yet Mm -hmm. before. Not only can the fourth audience determine where you get to fucking sit as an influencer on the big chart, you know, how high up do you go? They can knock you down if you do something they don't like. And the idea of like, How much of what Brennan Morais did is real? How much of any of this that we're seeing is real? How much of it is pro wrestling? It's never 100% real, ever, on this show. Nothing you're watching is actually as it happened because the 100% reality is you would have to have a 24-hour feed of all the footage (laughs) that they're shooting and you would have to watch it all. You don't ever have that. And
2: you'd have to watch the 24-hour footage of the San Diego trip. That's we'll never right. know what happened. We'll never know what actually went down in San Diego. We don't have that that footage. <laughs>
1: but just through the very nature of editing all of that footage down to an hour and a half that you watch in an episode means you're not seeing everything, which means you don't actually know what happened. And in, in extreme cases, they're actually franken biting together audio that people never said. Like when Piper says he's my boyfriend, she did not say that. I'm 100% certain of that. I've re-listened to that a million fucking mm. times. It's played off face. You can hear the fucking edits in it. It's not, she never said it. And that, I think, has to be kept in mind with all of this. But the, the state we're in as like an internet culture is just like, fuck that. I feel like after Ugh. coming out of the Trump presidency, nobody's taking time for any nuance. Nobody's taking time for anything. It's just immediate, immediate reactions. And that is kind of not only the state of the game, but it's the state of the fourth audience. And so to play the game well, well enough that you're getting big bumps, and that's the goal, obviously, you have to fucking mind your P's and Q's right now in a way that I don't think players have had to in the past.
2: I, I can't read the comments I, about any of these players. They're fucking horrible. We're seeing Alana Milne is getting death threats. She was barely in the document.
1: Yeah, I know.
2: We'll get get to that. We'll get to some of that more later. (laughs) This was kind of a long state of the Um, game,
1: but we thought that it was worth talking about because, again, this is unprecedented. What we're going through right now in the game is a moment of evolution. I don't know what the, the true outcome of all this will be, the reflection of it back into the mirror. I do think it's going to ultimately up the general level of play for all players, and I think it is going to make many players I think this is much to the chagrin of the producers. They, they might not have thought this one through. I don't think a lot of people are going to go to paradise anymore. Because if you come out of Bachelor or Bachelorette, pretty good. If you come out with 300K, you now see what happened mm-hmm. to Brenna Marias and you're like, well, fuck, I'm not a Bachelor Nation podcast host. I might lose 50,000, 60,000 followers. Not worth the risk. Fuck it. I'm good making my $100,000 a year selling hair care products and shit. I can roll with that.
2: And Brendan and Piper could have just vlogged their relationship story outside of Paradise and controlled the narrative a bit more.
1: Totally. And now that social media is being used by all these players to have these meetups and have these kind of big group date scenarios, it's like, you don't need Paradise. Paradise will give you screen time, yes, but that is not always good, is what we just found out. It can be, in fact, incredibly (laughs) detrimental. So I think moving forward, if I was a player... And if you are a future player in the game and you might be getting a Bachelor in Paradise invitation, I would think twice about accepting the invitation. And I would try to get some kind of contractual assurance that you will not be edited to be a villain. I don't even know how you do that.
2: (laughs) Is that a thing that exists?
1: Anything can exist in a contract. You simply have to say you want it. And if they agree to it, then it's in the contract.
2: You say, I need a copy of the episode before it airs.
1: So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you would ever get final cut of your episodes, like how could you, but yeah. something or at least a big fucking dollar sign needs to be fucking attached to what they're doing. You know, I'm not coming in here for $30,000. You're paying me $500,000 because I don't, it could be so fucking damaging that I can't work for a year. That type of shit, you know?
2: Yeah.
1: You just have I no don't idea. I get
2: death threats.
1: Or the flip side of it also is maybe you do get players come in, but like nobody's going to do anything now. Bachelor in Paradise is going to be the most boring fucking show of all time. Potentially even Bachelor and Bachelorette as well, because nobody's going to do any miscues. Nobody's going to say a bad thing about anybody. Nobody's going to try to steal anybody's guy or girl or whatever, you know? <laughs> it's just like, oh, how are you doing? Okay, very right. nice. Well, yeah. Would you like to go on this date yeah. with me? Tons no, of compliments. I don't think so. It might hurt someone's feelings. <laughs>
2: In my hurt someone's feelings. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't know. I don't know where we're headed, but I do feel like this is changing things. I, I think we can all feel that this is like a huge fucking moment in the history of the game and shit ain't ever going to be the same after this.
2: I mean, I feel like we've seen in the nation responses to things that happen and say, everyone go follow blah or everyone unfollow blah, but it hasn't been nearly on this scale the scale is unprecedented it's unbelievable i wonder if that's going to continue and we're just going to get in response to every episode follow unfollow
1: yeah i think it will and unfortunately the producers just don't quite get it social media is not going anywhere the bachelor will eventually stop I know we talk about it like the NFL and it's going to go on forever and ever. And I think it's got many, many years left. Don't get me wrong. But social media will outlive The Bachelor for sure. And by not incorporating Mm -hmm. it into the game, by not allowing players to talk about it, they are antiquating themselves. They are painting themselves into a corner that they will never be able to get out from. And the show is going to be within the next three to five years. You're telling me a Gen Z person who's just like on TikTok 24 hours a day. And if somebody mentions TikTok in the show, they get fucking excommunicated, nobody's going to watch it because it will seem like so out of the realm of actual reality.
2: How do you foresee the show operating if everyone is just openly talking about Instagram?
1: Just like how we do our fucking podcast. They should all be on the beach and be like, oh, well, I got this. I hope I get this many gains. Have that be a conversation. Have it set up as a goal for the fucking players that it's like, well, I want to make it to the end because I want to get X amount of Instagram followers why not they're all having the conversations we just said that let us see the conversations and don't fucking villainize them for it because that that really is the true hypocrisy of it is that they make him out to be a bad guy and then grocery store joe has 750 whatever instagram thousand instagram followers and is the host of their show and they're like but he's his are deserved instagram followers what that does not hold up. It's it's like the the level of cognitive dissonance that must exist within not only Bachelor Nation, within the producers' minds, the players' minds, everyone's minds. It's going to fucking come tumbling down at some point. It has to.
2: I don't know. It's got it's got legs that <laughs> cognitive dissonance. The fact that no one will admit to thinking about being the bachelor even when they're out of game. I'm like it's so strong.
1: Yeah. I agree. But all right, we've we've really rambled on here in the state of the game. But the state of the yeah. game is changing. It deserved it. So, we're going to move on. Thank you for indulging our state of the game support for today's episode comes from 1 Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about 1 Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is Face, Eye, Body Shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products
2: Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at Oneskin.co. That's 15% off Oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Clues, Mm -hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find the perfect T-shirt. Yeah. Um, Because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock.
1: we sent you. After you place your order, select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows. Again, that's skims. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is flying by. We're almost halfway through it. Now, I've done a lot of things that I'm proud of this year. A lot of them related to gore. We've had some great interviews. We're kicking it up a level to get on YouTube. We're really taking it to the next place. But there's still a lot that I would like to accomplish this year. And when life is moving fast, it's important to take a moment to celebrate your wins and to make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you take stock of your progress and then set achievable goals for the next six months so that you get all those things done that you want to get done. Lizzie talks about all the time, how beneficial therapy has been for her. My friend Will on my other podcast talks about it all the time, and I agree. It is very good. It's a great tool to be able to talk things out in your life with somebody else who can set you on the right path to getting all those goals accomplished. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule, you just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit betterhelp.com slash gameofroses today to get 10% off your first month. That's com slash gameofroses. Game. We are now going to move on with this week in Bachelor Nation into the next segment where we start talking about Instagram, all the gains and the movements of all the different players (laughs) this week. Here we're going to get into the the real numbers of it. This is
2: This Week in Gains.
1: All right, so as you know, we start out this week in gains with the ratings of the show itself. Monday and Tuesday's episodes of Bachelor in Paradise were easily the most explosive and talked about episodes of the season. Could the franchise turn that attention into positive ratings? No, it could not. <laughs> no. <laughs> Monday night's episode pulled a <laughs> 0.85 in the demo with 3.115 million raw viewers. This was a season low for the Monday installment, and Tuesday's show was even worse, with a .75 in the demo and 3 million flat viewers. The Monday night numbers were enough to hold onto the top spot in their time slots across all of network television, but Tuesday night saw our beloved game get crushed by NBC's America's Got Talent, which raked in over twice the numbers of raw viewers. The Nielsen rating system that generates these numbers is under continued challenges from various media outlets, as well as the nature of streaming services, making their metrics more and more irrelevant. So the truth of the matter is, we have no way of knowing just how many people are actually watching our beloved game. These Nielsen numbers, though, are still what ad rates are based on, which is how ABC makes its money. Here's to hoping for a time in the near future when an accurate account of how many total viewers exist can be rendered.
2: Now let's move on to the top five gains chart for this star-studded season of BIP here are the top five Instagram gains the Players of Bachelor in Paradise Season 7 since our last twibbon three weeks ago on August 18th, 2021. The gold medal in gains goes to double MVP, double play the game, master interrogator and heartbreak edit recipient, Natasha Parker. She gained 308.3K for her receipt gathering, her victimization play, and her face play, bringing her total to 384K. Most of this gain occurred in the past few days. This is an over 462% increase, something we have not only not seen all season, but an increase we believe we've never seen in the history of any of the Bachelor games.
1: And the silver medal in gains this week goes to another bachelor made man. That means he is also a host of an official Bachelor Nation podcast. We're, of course, talking about the keeper of the process, Grocery Store Joe, aka GSJ. He gained 115,000 Instagram followers, bringing him to 736K total for his love story with Serena P, his sad boy ponder shots which we now know was actually the result of diarrhea, and his four TRR investigations of various (laughs) couples on sand for wanting screen time and Instagram followers. And I'm just going to note it, the gold and silver medal gains. Again, these are both hosts of official Bachelor Nation podcasts. Coincidence?
2: No. (laughs) The bronze medal in gains goes to someone who's having a relationship with an official Bachelor podcast host love triangle dweller serena pitt she gained 67k followers bringing her into the 200k club at 207k total for her tier play her 4 trr relationship play and choosing to pair up with a protected bachelor podcast host who received first male sand
1: and fourth place. Finally, we get to go out of the official Bachelor Nation podcast world. Fourth place goes to professional <laughs> rivalman Aaron Clancy. He gained 46.7 thousand followers, bringing him to 114K total for his constant 4TWR accusations in prepping a series of players to date Thomas.
2: Fifth place in games goes to Jewelry Kringle recipient extraordinaire, Deandra Canoe. She gained 43.4K bringing her to 68.1k followers total for her love square, donning the jewelry of every rose chaser on the beach, and for breaking Carl's heart.
1: Honorable mentions go to the no longer mustachioed colorful narrator, young Noah Erb. He gained 38,000 followers, bringing him to 159k total for ITMing the events of this historic season and for his 4TRR love story with first sand Abigail Herringer. She has also gained 37,000 new followers, bringing her total to 541K. Another honorable mention goes to Marissa Gunn. She gained 37.9K, bringing her to 56.9K. And Tajwan Hawkins also gained 37K, bringing her to 46.8K total. We hope wherever she is, she can pee, poop, and soak up those gains.
2: And the biggest loss in gains goes to Villanetti... Recipient Brendan Marias. He lost 67K, bringing him to 262K total. And he's still hemorrhaging followers despite issuing a parasocial apology.
1: And the top five overall chart for September 9th, 2021, has remained unchanged despite the extraordinary play the last couple of weeks. The demigod herself, Demi Burnett, is still standing in the lead with the 1.2 million. IG follower mark that she brought with her to sand.
2: The first Tropical Royale, Becca Kufrin, has made a little bit of a gain. She now has 1.195 million Instagram followers.
1: The small wiener enthusiast from the South, Tia Booth, has (laughs) 1.128 million followers.
2: In fourth place, we dip out of the Million Club as GSJ has 736K followers.
1: And rounding out the top five is GSJ's ex-Paradise girlfriend, Kendall Long, at 610,000 beautiful followers. That rounds out all of the gains for this week. And now it's time for us to move on to that portion of our program in which we discuss some of those most delicious tids that exist in the nation jewelry has adorned the human race for millennia but there's still a problem sometimes you want some jewelry but you can't find it well now there's orate a fine jewelry brown of by women for women and pieces range from classic to statement to completely original And Orate finally makes the jewelry you've always wanted but could never find. And we're talking insanely good quality here. Orate's gold feels substantial, and the diamonds sparkle and shine. Such high quality and so beautiful. Because it's all real gold, you can wear it and never take it off. Shower, sport, sleep, cook, anything. It's jewelry for life. All Orate pieces come with a lifetime warranty because they know it lasts. And because Orate sells direct to you without the middleman markup, they can offer the same quality as traditional Fifth Avenue brands at a fraction of the cost. Orate has basically, in quotes, hacked the jewelry market, making real gold accessible. And besides transparent pricing, Orate has now teamed up with Klarna to make their items even more accessible to all of you. Basically, using Klarna, you can now shop and pay over time. Just a more flexible way to get what you want from Orate.
2: I am currently eyeing the huggy earrings with white diamonds. I feel like this would be a great gift for like my sister. She's also how I am about jewelry. Wants to just put it on, never think about it again. But it's also beautiful and just adds to your natural glow about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, these specific earrings Have a timeless craft and modern aesthetics that combine for riveting effect. The lean, modern silhouette and close fit mark these out as completely contemporary. But 16 handset white diamonds are pure, enduring elegance. My sister is pure, enduring elegance. It's a match made (laughs) in heaven. (laughs) Can wear them to a late night gig, early morning meeting, or dinner with the in-laws. And they'll be right at home in any setting. For... 20% off your first Orate purchase, go to oratenewyork.com slash roses and use promo code roses. That's 20% off with no minimum spend, and they rarely have discounts as high as 20% off. So we really encourage you to shop now while it's going on. This is the best offer out there, and it's exclusively for Game of Roses listeners, once again, go to oratenewyork.com slash roses. That's A-U-R-A-T-E, New york spelled out, dot com, and use promo code roses to get 20% off. That's oratenewyork.com slash roses and use promo code roses for 20% off. This is...
1: Bachelor Nation News.
2: First up in Bachelor Nation News, this is old news, but it's very important news that happened the day after we recorded our last women. The 18th woman to wear the crown, Katie Thurston, entered the Exalted One Million Club on Thursday, August 19th at approximately 9.04 p.m. Pacific Standard Time.
1: I was watching Congrats
2: that. to... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how do we have this number?
1: I was fucking on it. That's how Uh, we have that number.
2: (laughs) It's good it happened uh, during the waking
1: hours.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Congrats to Katie on her acceptance into this elite group of players. All Bachelorettes since season 10's Andy Dorfman have amassed at least 1 million Instagram followers, with the exception of the 13th Bachelorette, Rachel Lindsay. Season 12's JoJo Fletcher and season 15's Hannah Brown are the only two bachelorettes to reach the rarefied air of the two million club. But congrats again to Thurston on this remarkable milestone. And congrats to you, Clues, for getting to post your meme.
1: Oh, thank you very much. And thanks Mm -hmm. to Katie Thurston for making that situation possible. Next up in Bachelor Nation News, rumors are swirling about the 16th Bachelorette, Claire Crawley, and her ring winner, Dale the Mossman Moss. The couple each took to Instagram Live two weeks ago to post mysterious videos alluding to a special shoot they were about to do. Crawley's video was shot from inside a makeup trailer where she opened the door to reveal that her special guest was none other than Moss himself carrying a suit. Later posts from the couple featured what seemed to be wedding rings on a flight back home from wherever this mystery shoot took place. We don't know for sure, but the implication seems to be obvious. Moss and Crawley likely signed an exclusive deal with one of the major Bachelor Nation media outlets to cover their wedding. We anxiously await the release of all the footage from this event that might or might not have taken place. And of course, we wish the couple well.
2: Only five years after you predicted they would get married during episode three of
1: Claire's season. (laughs) A year. Come on, five years. A year. And they may not be married. We still don't actually know, but it seems likely to me.
2: Speaking of weddings, there were two marriages that became legal within the nation over the past few weeks. Bachelor season 21 ring winner Vanessa Grimaldi tied the knot with her fiance, Josh Wolfe, on August 20th in their hometown of Montreal, Canada. And Bachelor Season 17's villain, Tiara Haters Make Me Sparkle, Lee Cowsie, married her longtime boyfriend, Tyler Brooks Brown, on Sunday, September 5th. Lee was most known for her artistry with an IFI and her uncontrollably eyebrow face play. We wish both of these ex-players all the best as they move forward with their new husbands.
1: And now that we've got all the marriages in Bachelor Nation out of the way, our next piece of Bachelor Nation news involves the next logical step for most players. Babbies, Ashley, and Jared Iaconetti revealed the gender of their unborn child on Amazon Live last week. The happy couple is set to welcome a baby boy into this dying world, which they announced decked out in full matching blue outfits, holding a giant blue star-shaped balloon with the words Baby Boy on it. And Jared Iaconetti even wore a blue ribbon on his chest that read, it's a boy. Although the couple has not yet created an Instagram account for the newest member of the family, we expect that will happen in the near future, and we can't wait to see what he will be able to do with his parasocial inheritance from one of the greatest parasocial players the game has ever produced.
2: Clues is anxiously awaiting watching all hundred <laughs> Instagram possible <laughs> baby accounts I follow maybe a dozen. to see if one of them will...
1: Possible. Look, they exist. There's accounts that are like Aya kanetti baby. Hi Bon Aya kanetti baby. They those accounts exist. Who the fuck's making them?
2: I believe they are gore listeners. <laughs> Trolling you. I'm getting trolled and I'm following the fucking trolls. I think maybe. So. Eh,
1: whatever. Fuck it.
2: Next up in Bachelor Nation News, the historic 25th Bachelor Matt James has been announced as a competitor in the upcoming season of Dancing with the Stars. The ABC dancing competition has long been a secondary platform for crowns and players alike after their playing days are done. James joins country singer Jimmy Allen, Spice Girls member Mel C, Bling Empire cast member Christine Shu, actress Malora Hardin, YouTuber Olivia Jade giannuli The Talk This is this is a a tr- this is a tricky one to read. The talk co-host Amanda Klutz actor Martin Cove Olympic medalist Suny Lee Professional Wrestler and Reality Star Mike the miz Mizanin Real House of Atlanta cast member Kenya Moore Peloton instructor Cody Rigsby actor Brian Austin Green, singer and YouTube personality Jojo Siwa, and professional basketball player and reality star Iman Schumpert. Most recently, Lady Goat Caitlin Bristow twirled her way to a mirrorball victory and a healthy increase of Instagram followers, putting her right at the precipice of the 2 Million Club. James, who was briefly in the 1 Million Club, saw saw a sharp decline in followers at the conclusion of his season of The Bachelor now sits at 917K. But we hope the producers of Dancing with the Stars are designing a deep run for him that will help put him back over the one million threshold.
1: And another member of the quarantine crew makes the news this week. The Beast is back. That's right. Hannah Brown announced that she has a book coming out on November 23rd of this year. It's called God Bless This Mess, and the book is self-described as, in quotes, an honest and earnest examination of her own mid-20s. God Bless This Mess is a memoir that doesn't claim to have all the answers. Hannah knows she doesn't have all the answers. What she does have is the insight of someone who has spent critical years of their youth under public scrutiny. Thus, what emerges is a quarter-life memoir that speaks to the set of difficulties young women face and how to move through them with grace. We wish Brown luck in her literary endeavors. And if you only buy one Bachelor book this year, skip this one and pick up How to Win the Bachelor by (laughs) us, available for pre-order now wherever you get your books.
2: I love our unbiased news. And finally, in Bachelor Nation news, a big congratulations goes out to one of the ring winners from Bachelor Season 16, Zach Clark. He celebrated 10 years of sobriety last week. To mark the occasion of this incredible accomplishment, Clark took to Twitter to say, 10 years sober today for a guy that couldn't stop shooting heroin, smoking crack, and guzzling booze. This is truly a miracle. Congratulations to Zach Clark. We hope the next 10 years are just as incredible for both you and the 17th Bachelorette, Taysha Adams.
1: And that wraps up all the tids that are fit to print. Now we're going to move on to that segment of our program in which we talk about all of the plays that our favorite and some not so favorite players have been making off the field. In that primary world, using all of their telephonic devices to pump out videos and pictures and tweets for all of us to ingest. This is.
2: The Parasocial Play, 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 Play of the Week.
1: Obviously, there was a whirlwind of parasocial play happening, and we haven't done parasocial plays for the last three weeks, so there was a lot to cover.
2: (laughs) Big whirlwind. (laughs) So
1: we're just going to quickly hit some up top here that were notable, and then we're going to get to our play of the week, and then we are going to talk about some other plays that deserve mentioning. So we saw Clarendale teasing their secret wedding on their Instagram stories, which we talked about in the news. We saw Blake Moyne's mom putting uh katie thurston's aunt Lindsay on notice this week we saw katie thurston finally responding to the stark difference between her and michelle young's promos we saw matt james making a tiktok with 2020 olympic all-around champion sunisa lee we saw raven gates sharing a three minute and 52 second video to her instagram of the moment she and adam goschalk found out they were pregnant we saw marissa gunn clapping back at all the haters after the episode where she and riley went into the bbr that's the boom boom room
2: Thomas Jacobs posted a pair of Instagram stories, one comedic and one dramatic. The first was a collage of pictures on his Instagram stories from his one-on-one date with Serena P with Aaron's head photoshopped on her body with the caption paradise when I'm with you. He also posted an Instagram story in response to Texas's new restrictive abortion law posting all texts of the line men shouldn't be making laws about women's bodies, which I appreciated.
1: And all of these were incredible plays, of course. They rounded out the landscape of parasocial work that all of our beloved players were doing, but... We can only give one Parasocial Play of the Week, and so we have arrived at that award now, and our Parasocial Play of the Week is a pit reveal. Villain edit recipient Hunter Montgomery made a stunning and monumental TikTok in which he revealed himself wearing the Game of Roses 4TRR t-shirt, playing the song "O oh Fortuna. In the background, the caption read, Blessed be our beloved game. Hashtag Game of Roses. Hashtag The Bachelor. Hashtag The Bachelor. Hashtag In The Pit. Hashtag Pit Discord. Hashtag Superfan. Hashtag <laughs> The Forums. The post has 40.2k <laughs> views. 1,821 likes. 162 comments on Instagram. And 1,348 views on TikTok. Hunter wearing our shirt. I mean, look. I know there are probably more important plays within the context of the game itself and all this stuff. I disagree too. What am I saying? This is the (laughs) most important fucking play ever. We love to see it. We can't thank Hunter enough for uh, not only wearing the shirt and listening to our show, but for uh, taking the time to make that TikTok, which was very well made, I thought. Great editing, great use of music.
2: So well done. Hilarious. I screamed. Um, by the way, we didn't even talk in state of the game about all the conversations about the forums that had to do with Hunter. I forgot <laughs> that we'd recently had that. And again, the forums were used to imply that you were for TWR, that you had researched the show. Yeah,
1: you know, let's let's take a little moment. Let's let's get back into state of the game for just a second. Because one thing Yeah,
2: we only did a half hour. We only did a
1: half hour, and we could do another one. I, I just want to <laughs> briefly say that the thing that is really happening in terms of the the producers using this as kind of punishment, I think we're starting to see producer versus player in a way that we have not ever seen as well. And I think it kind of started in Katie Thurston's season where you saw Katie Thurston coming out in defense of Hunter Montgomery and being like, hey, you're just seeing the edit. Here's who the guy really is. And this idea that players can like, try to somehow wrestle control of the narrative from the producers is now like in every episode, basically. And in this case, the producers mm. are like, no, fuck you, we control this game. That's at least what it felt like to me.
2: And we're seeing that in some of these, what we're going to talk about next, of people reminding the fourth audience that it is an edited show. Yeah. Now that we have given our parasocial play of the week to the clear victory. We wanted to take a little time to highlight three specific parasocial plays. We're not giving these plays of the week or errors, but these plays obviously deserve a little discussion because they are historic. Three parasocial plays we must discuss are all apologies. Villain Edit recipients from this week, Brendan rise Chris Conran, and Piper James. The first two took to their Instagram stories. Piper James took to us weekly to post apologies to the fourth audience. These are a little long in some cases, but we feel obligated to read them through completely, as they are incredibly important parasocial documents. In an Instagram story, Marias wrote... After taking time to begin to process the events that unfolded over the past few days, I have realized I was wrong on so many different levels. First of all, I removed my last post from my feed. I posted it before the episode aired and had no idea the magnitude of hurt that I caused. My approach to many things in life is sarcasm. In this instance, with regard to my post, I was completely insensitive. Most importantly, I apologize to you, Natasha. I hurt you. I am deeply sorry for doing so. I understand that the damage is already done and all I can do going forward is acknowledge the error of my ways. For those of you that felt that my actions triggered certain feelings and emotions. I'm truly sorry. Lastly, despite the fact that Piper and I had misunderstandings going into paradise, and I can't stress this enough, if you feel the need to express disdain for the situation, please do so at my expense. I'm completely at fault. A full statement and apology will follow. At the time of this recording, we don't have a follow-up for that.
1: But here for the first time ever, we are truly seeing an apology to the fourth audience. We've seen some things like this. Definitely Hannah Brown issued a kind of blanket apology mm-hmm. to whoever is watching her account after the inward incident. But this is an apology to the fourth audience for very specific actions taken in game. It's not for social media missteps. This is for something he did in the document that he is now apologizing for. And he apologizes a little bit for the four TWR posts that he made. But primarily this is about how he treated Natasha and these triggering actions that were part of the document. I don't, to my knowledge, we've never seen anything like this.
2: I mean, we saw Victoria Larson apologize, right?
1: Yeah, I suppose that's true. This is like, this has just a different feel to it, though. Because Victoria Larson's was like, if I remember right, a kind of general apology for her behavior. This is like a mm-hmm. specific thing that was like, in this episode, I treated her badly. I'm deeply sorry for doing so. And I understand that the damage is already done. Now, mind you, he, he hung out with her for four days, five days. Still though, the blowback from it is cutting his bottom line financially to such a degree that he has to stop the hemorrhaging. That's what this is. If he's planning to release another apology, why not just release that one? Not why not wait for that one? This is a band-aid. It's hey, please stop unfollowing me. I'm going to do a real apology in a second, but here's one that mm-hmm. I could get out as fast as I can. Please don't unfollow me, basically.
2: Yeah. We saw this from Rachel Kirkconnell too. Right. I mean, I think the apologies are just they're ratcheting up.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. But again, Connell's was about parasocial activity. It was about the pictures that surfaced of her. It was mm-hmm. nothing she did in show, nothing she did in game. Moving on, we have another apology from Chris Conran, who was only on sand for a day. Conran writes... Finally, watch the episode, and I feel there are a few things that need to be said. First and foremost, I take complete accountability for my blatant disrespect towards Jacinia and handling the situation poorly. I did reach out to Jacinia to apologize after getting home, and I would like to reiterate my sincerest apologies to her now. My past behavior is not a reflection of who I am or who I want to be, and it was never my intention to maliciously or purposely hurt anyone on the show. I've been doing work privately to work through my relationship and communication skills. I'm an awful communicator, and I'm an extremely non-confrontational person. It's something I've needed to fix, and I'm glad it's been brought to light. I entered paradise with integrity. I was by no means in a relationship prior to the show. Nobody in the, in quotes, San Diego crew, he acknowledges it, was in a relationship Mm -hmm. beforehand. I hung out with both Alana and Jacinia in a group setting. I met both of them and had the same pre-show relationship prior to Paradise. Flirty and excited to potentially see them on Paradise. I'm so sorry Alana got mixed up in all of it, and I beg all of you to stop attacking and harassing her. She doesn't deserve the hate she's receiving, and the death threats need to stop. Death threats. The hateful messages I'm receiving aren't fun. And the way I was attacked and pushed out of paradise sucked. It reminded me of getting ganged up on in high school by the cool kids. I understand I was low hanging fruit since I'm not a fan favorite, but it also takes a huge level of disrespect for grown men to shut a woman down when she's trying to use her voice. You too know she deserves an apology. Who these two are that he's talking about here? Grocery store Joe. And I don't know. We cannot have a culture Mm. where we silence women on this show. All in all. I was not in a relationship prior to the show. I arrived single and left single. Don't compare me to Brennan and Piper because it is not the same. I was disrespectful to Jacinia and should have carried myself better. I'm sorry for my actions, but I do not regret following my heart on the show. This is a bit of a different kind of apology. He's apologizing specifically Mm -hmm. to Jacinia, and that's about it. The rest of this, he's saying he felt bullied by the cool kids. That's grocery store Joe jesinia riley all the people that were around that table interrogating him he's saying that he came into this show not in a relationship and then he met both Jacinia and alana at the same san diego as he puts it the san diego crew he met them at the same time in the same circumstance
2: a group event didn't go to boston though
1: but then he calls out specifically that people are sending alana death threats she was in the document for about five minutes And people are sending her death threats.
2: It's horrifying. It's like, it's a part of being complicit is that we're a part of Bachelor Nation and part of Bachelor Nation sends people death threats for no reason and racist shit and all this stuff. It's And uh, Clues and I were talking about this before we recorded. We don't know any of these people. We have met a few people who we have interviewed or gone on their podcasts and stuff. And every player we have met I mean, every podcaster, too. They have all been such wonderful, nice people. Couldn't be nicer. Absolutely. And I'm assuming most of these people couldn't be nicer. They certainly don't deserve, honestly, any negative comments, let alone death threats. Ugh, it's horrible. I hate, I hate this.
1: The whole of Bachelor Nation isn't sending death threats. Most people who watch the show mm-hmm. don't even follow people on Instagram. They're just watching the show. They don't know about any of this shit. We're the only yeah. ones, not, not we, you, and me, but like we, all of us who are listening to this and, and listen to the, the other podcasts. The fo- yeah, we're fucking foreign people. Like we are, okay? So, so uh-huh. what? So sue me. We're, we're in the pit. Yeah, we're the pit. And we understand this shit. We keep tabs on it and all that stuff. But I think there's like a level of understanding that has to come with any of this. That's like, try to put yourself in the shoes of anybody who gets the call to come on Paradise you're, of course, going to strategize. You're at least going to start thinking to yourself like, well, how is this going to go down? You're going to start putting together some kind of a pre-plan in your mind. You're definitely going to think about how it's going to affect your Instagram followers. Those things shouldn't be crimes. You have to make
2: a plan. You have to at least put together outfits. If that's not a plan, that's a basic plan. You have to prepare somewhat.
1: (laughs) And to, to think that, If somebody gets exposed on the show, if the producers choose to put that in the document to vilify them, they are worthy of you sending them a death threat? That can't be the way this moves forward. Like, the fourth audience is an important part of the game. Without us, there is no game. If the, the, you know, you want to talk about Brennan Rice losing followers. If the show starts losing followers, if the show starts dropping in ratings super significantly, if it starts slipping down to number two, number three, number, number five on the night, the show's done. And I think that we have to like be understanding of it as a fourth audience and try not to be as like fucking angry about these things.
2: Yeah. I mean, we're not perfect. We've definitely called out, had some call out moments in our past. Which I regret. And I do as well. I regret calling out anyone for anything at this point. Like Same. Yeah.
1: Because we don't know these people. And I mean, that's the power of parasocial relationships. That's why we do Parasocial Plays of the Week. That's why we talk about it. None of us literally know any of these people. All we see is what's on their social media and the hour and a half of footage that the producers choose to show us. And I'm not saying that exonerates anyone from anything. I'm simply saying that the level of hatred some people receive as a result of their appearance in this show, I don't think is literally ever warranted.
2: Um, The last apology was Piper James. She isu- issued an apology to Us Weekly. Um, she had made one earlier brief statement, which Deandra Canoe made a video response to in her Instagram stories, which got traction in The Nation. So we've got like apology response videos coming out of these. But her Us Weekly apology goes, I didn't go into paradise with the intention of hurting anyone, nor would I ever want to be the reason why someone had a bad experience. I went in excited to see a guy that I had connected with and liked before the show started filming and was looking forward to seeing if that connection would grow into something more. I had a friendship with Natasha before the show and had spoken to her about me and Brendan talking. With that said, I am truly sorry for any hurt that I caused her and I hope that I get the opportunity to speak to her soon and make things right. I'm not an extension of Brendan and his actions, and I don't condone dishonest behavior. I got caught up in the moment while I was with Brendan in Paradise, and while I don't fully blame editing, it doesn't always tell the whole story.
1: And that line at the end of this, while I don't fully blame editing, it doesn't always tell the whole story, this is where you get a very clear picture of how all of these players are essentially silenced by the contract. That's as much as she's going to be able to say Mm -hmm. about that, Who actually knows what she wants to say or what she could say, what the real truth behind any of this is. And the thing to me, that's like the shittiest part of this whole thing is that the producers are completely indemnified against all of it. And in some ways they're the ones responsible for it. I'm not again saying Brendan and Piper didn't do what they did, of course, but the producers are always showing us exactly what they want us to see. And players, if they are wronged by producers like Hunter Montgomery was, Uh, They don't really have much recourse and that can lead to these situations where without somebody being able to accurately defend themselves, the fourth audience, any audience really can like think whatever they want to think about them. And the producers just sit back and say like, well, did our ratings go up? That's all they care about.
2: I'm very curious as to how this will all work as it only ramps up.
1: I agree. I just don't know what the next version of this is going to be. I mean, this season's not even over. We still have an episode next week coming up that's going to be basically about Piper and, or so it seems, about Piper and Brendan. And so we'll see if the grocery store Joe gang can kick them out of Paradise 2 or not, but you know, this is not over for them. And I can't imagine being in their shoes right now and being like, fuck, this episode's coming out next next week. What the hell's going to happen to us?
2: Do you think they last all season?
1: I don't know. I really don't
2: because I'm like I wonder if they can get those gains back if they do
1: I don't think the gains come back I think once somebody makes a decision to unfollow you that's it I don't think you get mm-hmm. that follower back so if Brennan Rice wants to repad back up over 300k it's gonna have to be all new people who have never followed him I yeah. think and I don't know if that's possible
2: mm-hmm. that's what I mean
1: after this anyway but that was it. Those were all the parasocial plays we wanted to cover. We we're living through unprecedented times. And these apologies that are all now coming out on the same day for events that took place in the game, I just have never seen it. I've never seen it.
2: Wow. <laughs> uh, and
1: that covers all the parasocial plays we wanted to talk about this week. But we do have a creature to make mention of a member of the pit at Madeline Park Pottery. Lent Connor the Catman be their dog, Cowboy, and Connor proceeded to take a photo shoot with it for his main grid on Instagram. Oh,
2: Cowboy is so cute. Congrats on your award, Cowboy.
1: The post has 37.6 thousand likes and 341 comments. That is some social power we can get behind.
2: By the way, I like Connor B. Rebranding. He tries dogs now. He's no longer Catman. He's (laughs) Dogman. Under the trying to get a man. new audience
1: <laughs> that's right he's got to do something <laughs> and now it is time for pace case and i to descend deep into the darkest waters of the pit where we will issue forth our screams to one another and we have a very special scream submitted through our discord channel which you can access on our patreon at patreon.com slash game of roses that we're also going to be playing and analyzing this is scream, scream.
2: From from the, pit.
1: the
2: pit. My scream from the pit this week, it's going to be a little bit annoying because it has to do with something I can't fully talk about yet. <laughs> so just to preface, um, we have something big coming up. It's almost like a contest and it, is, it revolves around the pre-sales of our book, How to Win the Bachelor. Available now wherever you get your books. And this contest, it is Bachelor-related. And it is going to require me to participate in something with clues (laughs) that I never, ever thought I would do. (laughs) But I'm willing to do for the pit. But it's just... You know, it's a new level. It's a new level for me, a new level of dedication to our beloved game, a new level of willing to give myself, you know, a full edit for the nation.
1: I mean, look, this isn't even my scream from the pit, but like, I obviously have to do this as well. And I get it. (laughs) I'm feeling very much the same way that it's like, am I really going to fucking do this? Holy shit. Like when we started this thing two years ago, sitting on my fucking couch Talking into a little recorder, this is where it's gone. The thing we are about to have mm-hmm. to do is now where we're going, which we will tell you about when we can, of course. But I agree with you. Yeah, yes. This is about Soon. as screamy as it fucking gets, in my humble opinion.
2: Yes. And I, you know, I want to be transparent, but I can't be transparent yet for legal obligations, but something. Good is coming. This is like
1: a muffled scream, but rest assured it is a scream. A muffled
2: scream. scream. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) My scream this week is not muffled at all. Instead of really issuing a scream, I just wanted to issue, I guess this is a scream. I've been thinking about post um, these last two episodes with Brandon Marais and Piper James and Chris Conner and Alana Milne. I've been thinking about the future of the show. The future of media, Mm -hmm. really. But where is The Bachelor going to wind up? Because we have been talking a lot about Frankenbiting and that Piper got Frankenbitten during this to make her look worse than it was. And in the very near future, The Bachelor, all producers, all television producers, especially reality TV producers, are going to have technology at their fingertips like deepfake and AI audio generation that is going to allow them to not only create images of people that did not happen. They are going to be able to put words in their mouths and have them say them on camera and it will look indistinguishable from the real thing. They are going to be gen- be able to generate things that never happened. And in situations like that, are we still going to be as mad at Brendan Marias? Is he still going to lose 50,000 Instagram followers and then two days later it comes out, oh, that wasn't actually real, but it doesn't matter. You already lost the Instagram followers. And then taking that even further... We get into the idea of AI avatars like Lil Michaela on Instagram, who's not a real person but has millions of Instagram followers, is is an influencer, gets big brand deals with like Coca-Cola McDonald's and shit. Eventually, we're Mm going to see that in Bachelor. We're going to see people that don't exist in the beach. And if you get mad at those people, what does that mean? Like there's a version (laughs) of a lie that's being told to us in The Bachelor.
2: Lil Michaela death threats.
1: I'm sure Lil Michaela does get death threats and she's not a real person. I'm just saying that <laughs> The Bachelor has always been a little bit of a lie at the very least, even season one. Again, like we were saying, if you edit any of the footage, that is not really what happened. All the way to orchestrated situations that the producers are putting together to blow people up, to biting, to editing things to make it look like they happened and they didn't, all that kind of shit. There's a level of dishonesty in the show. There always has been. And as technology continues to grow, that level is going to increase. And I'm very curious to see what that does to the fourth audience, how we react to it. Because there's a huge contingent, obviously, of the Bachelor world that doesn't think anything is happening dishonestly in the show. I think that's the predominant amount of viewers of the show. There are some like us and, you know, whoever else that listens to maybe our podcast or other podcasts like us who understand that there is manipulation going on. But in the very near future, that manipulation is going to reach an all-time high because of technology. I mean, this is the next few years. I don't even think it's that far away.
2: I feel, I feel so stressed out about that. I'm like, I already feel stressed when I hear the biting, And I'm like, it's not real. It's not real. <laughs> but what about when you can't even tell? What if it's said on their face, but they're not saying it? I feel like there will have to be some sort of a disclosure At some point, like a technology disclosure. There has been face morphing on this program.
1: They got a fucking contract that says you relinquish your civil rights when you walk through the door. (laughs) I don't think they're going to have to put anything on anything. And I think until that contract is radically altered, things that are happening in the show where people are getting vilified, again, I'm not exonerating them from what they've done, but I'm saying the show definitely exacerbates it on purpose so that people do get riled up and we're all talking about it mm-hmm. and there's a million Instagram posts going around that's good for the show. That's only going to get worse and worse as they have the technological capability to make even crazier shit happen.
2: Yeah, so it's pretty much a gamble. You're really gambling when you're going on the show.
1: <laughs> yeah, and at a certain point, I think, unless you can get in your own personal contract or unless the overall blanket contract has changed... I think it might mm-hmm. be hard to produce these types of shows because people are going to be like, well, wait a minute, you could just make me punch somebody in the face and I wasn't even in the room? Like, I—that that is not good for me. I'm not doing that.
2: That they will refuse to come to Sand. It'll be Sand full of night one, guys.
1: Maybe. I mean, I was reminded of an old movie from the 1980s that I used to love. It was an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie called The Running Man. The premise of this movie is he is a cop who is wrongly accused of a murder. And instead of going to jail, he goes into a game show called The Running Man. The premise of the game show is they take convicted criminals and they put them in the center of this giant complex that has different zones in it that you have to run all the way through. And in each zone, there is a dude who has some kind of weapon trying to kill you. And if you can make it through all the Hmm. zones, you get your freedom. If not, you get killed by one of these guys. And so-
2: Are people watching it? Like the nation?
1: Yeah. It's the biggest show on TV. Schwarzenegger makes it all the way to the end. He's killed all of these people that are in the game trying to kill him. And the last guy that he has to go up against is Jesse the Body Ventura, a pro wrestler who turned into an actor, was in The Predator in the 80s. And he obviously was the governor. Of course, (laughs) course. (laughs) Everybody knows who he is. So- Ventura's character is in the control room. I don't know
2: who he is, but... but You know Jesse Ventura?
1: (laughs) Governor Jesse Ventura? He is in the control booth with the producers of the show, and he's like, this fucking maniac has killed everybody. I'm not going out there. Fuck you. And he quits. And the producers just computer-generate a fight scene between Schwarzenegger and Jesse Ventura where Ventura kills Schwarzenegger, and they put that out on TV. They just make it out of nothing. And that Mm -hmm. has always been... Very prophetic to me. And now I think we're getting to the point where we're going to start seeing shit like that in reality shows pretty soon.
2: And it produced two governors.
1: Exactly. And now that we have both issued both of our (laughs) screams, we are going to play for you a scream from the pit that is not us. This is from a listener named Christa Lee, and she submitted the scream on our Patreon Discord which has its own little submission channel. If you would like to submit your screams to possibly be played here in the bottom of the pit, just go to patreon.com slash sign up, and something like this might be played. Are you ready, Pace Case?
0: I'm ready. Hello, pit. My name is Chris and here is my scream. I was teaching my coworker how to edit videos. We had to put one voice clip over someone saying something, and I joked, now you know how they edit The Bachelor. She tells me her 12-year-old son wanted to watch The Bachelorette and she was thinking about it. He's starting to get curious about sexuality, dating, and the such. And then I kind of go off. I explain that it would be a good way to learn critical media consumption, teach him to consider that these people are deprived of their civil rights, privacy, and sleep, that they're speed running, and you should contrast this with actual positive relationships. And she agrees with me that it would be good to teach critical media consumption, especially in our political climate. So I kind of convinced the parents to let her growing son watch the show, but I told them to ask me anything and I'd be happy to explain more about the seedy underside of the franchise. I hope I don't drag this lovely family into the pit, but instead bring safe little nuggets of darkness to them.
1: I like how Crystally describes dragging someone into the pit as delivering safe nuggets of darkness.
0: <laughs> I'm just going
1: to go ahead and outright say it. <laughs> Crystally dragged a child into the pit. I don't think I've ever done that.
2: (laughs) Not knowingly. (laughs) That's right. Probably your voice has. Left on in the background, some poor little child wanders into the room. <laughs> Who is this man? He seems very passionate. Yeah, that's he how, loves NFTs. Yeah, That's how most
1: children decide what media tools do. They're like, I look at the passion of the person producing it, and if they like NFTs.
2: Uh. Kids respect passion, if I know anything.
1: <laughs> well, I hope... Crystally, that this child you dragged into the pit does respect our passion, and we welcome not only you to the pit, but this child and this child's family. So thank you for submitting uh, yeah, your thank screen. You,
2: thank you, Christali. I love the you know, intentionality of discussing critical media consumption, as I think we try to do. We try to think critically about the document, and uh, really appreciate you, you sharing this with us. I hope that kid is okay.
1: Yeah, me too. Um, but thank you all. That concludes this show. Thanks for joining us for our long state of the game, for all of the gains, for all of those tids and Bachelor Nation news, for all of our parasocial plays, and for these beautiful screams from us and from Cristaly. And before we go, what is that dwob at?
2: It has been 7,109 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game.
0: Please rate
2: this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please
1: get a friend to listen to us. And then
0: please
1: rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then. Now you've heard me talk about Quince on this program before. I love Quince. I am right now, head to toe, dressed in Quince. I got their shirts, I got their pants, I got everything from Quince. Quince is my spot for quiet luxury without paying those luxury prices. Quince offers a range of must-have items like 100% European linen, under $50, luxurious mulberry silk skirts, and of course, Italian leather bags and 14 karat gold jewelry from, get this, $30. All their prices are 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And because Quince creates timeless classic styles that won't go out of fashion, you're going to have them in that closet forever. Unless you wear them out, which I may because I literally wear them every day. (laughs) I know you're wondering, how do they do it? Well, Quince partners directly with top factories to cut out the cost of the middleman, passing the savings right on to you and to me. What's even better, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium eco-friendly fabrics and finishes, so you can feel good about getting high-quality items that are going to last you longer. Upgrade your closet this summer with Quince. Right now, go to quince.com roses to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's Quince, Q U I N C E dot com slash roses for free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash roses. We're coming out of spring and we're headed into summer. It's a great time of year. It's a time for renewal. For me, that means reconnecting with friends and family I haven't seen for a while. And when I do, I want to make sure I have plenty of wine on hand to celebrate with. That's why First Leaf is is a great option. As America's most personalized wine company, First Leaf takes the worry and guesswork out of buying quality wines. Especially if you're somebody like me, who knows maybe a little bit about these things, but not enough. Not enough to really make a great decision. They make the decision for you. To get started, you just answer some specific questions about your wine likes and dislikes on First Leaf's website. And these can be things that are about the people you're buying it for as well, if you're doing it as a gift. It only takes about five minutes to create your own personalized wine profile. Then you get your very own wine concierge who's going to use those responses to curate a customized selection of delicious award-winning varieties from rosés to sparklings and everything in between. It's all based on your personal preferences, on those questions you answered. These hand-selected wines are going to be delivered to your door within a few days with each bottle priced lower than what you'd pay at a wine store. You even get to choose when you get the wine. Plus... Every selection is backed by First Leaf's 100% satisfaction guarantee. And if you have questions about your wines, like what to pair them with, for example, First Leaf's personal wine concierge team is there to offer that expert advice. So it takes all the guesswork out. I love reconnecting with friends and family over bottles of First Leaf wine, and I bet you'll feel that way too. So give First Leaf a try. Head over to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to sign up and save 50% on your first six hand curated bottles plus free shipping. That's T-R-Y. F I R S T L E A F dot com slash roses to save fifty percent on your first six bottles plus free shipping. Try firstleaf.com dot com slash roses.
2: Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend.